Hello, hello. Welcome back to Leading Women in Tech. It's Tony here, your lit up leadership career bestie, here to elevate every single one of you as leading women in tech. And hey, I know we have a few male listeners elevating you too. I'm here to just make the world a better place full of great tech leaders. Today, we're talking parenting and specifically parenting and the world of work and how you mesh the two. <laughs> There's this balance that we all have to strike, right, about how do we become a parent, moms in particular for listeners here, but parents in general, how to become a parent and still thrive at work, still be extraordinary at work. What support should we be expecting? Which is why I'm delighted to have today's guest on the show. I'm joined today by Rachel Morris. This lady is coach extraordinaire. Like she's the kind of coach I wish I'd had in my corporate career. Like she is kick-ass. But she specializes, amongst many things, in providing support to parents. She works with companies to provide parenting coaching to help mums and other parents, but mums in particular, because that's what we talk about here on this show, in that transition from I'm pregnant through maternity, through their return to work, because it shouldn't be this overwhelming journey that I think many of us feel that it is. Rachel is the founding partner of Motion Learning, um, which she established in 2004, which is a coaching company. And for over 20 years, she built her expertise in developing individuals and teams within this wide range of professional environments. Today, she is also working in this specialized field of providing this parental coaching, as well as running a nonprofit, which she'll mention briefly in today's episode. Prior to setting up Motion Learning, she was an L&D consultant for Harrods, which if you're in the UK, you know, that's kind of a big deal, um, focusing on their leadership and professional development. And so, yeah, she has this experience in retail and we touch on all sorts of things in today's episode. I'm actually just going to have to like read my notes. Uh, I took so many notes about how I can support the women I work with just from what she was saying. We discussed the three phases that we go through from prior to going on maternity leave, what happens during maternity leave, how we can deal with the overwhelm there, as well as what happens when we return. She talks about how we need to treat going back to work as being a new start rather than just return to work because the period of time, quite a lot can change. And she gave some really actionable tips on what you can ask a line manager to do for you in terms of keeping you posted, in terms of like what you want while you're on maternity leave so that you feel in control. Because at the end of the day, I know many of you are very ambitious professionally. And you shouldn't feel bad about feeling ambitious, even though you're having a baby. I think they can be one and the same. You're a whole human, right? We talk about this blended experience, or I do anyway, of your, you've got your personal life, you've got your professional life. And guess what? The whole of you is this blended experience of the two. It's not one or the other. So I don't like work-life balance. I feel like it's a seesaw that somehow we're sometimes working, we're sometimes the rest of our life. Actually, we're one thing. And so I think Having this conversation today, I really hope opens your eyes to how to be okay with having ambitions both personally and professionally. So without further ado, let's get Rachel onto the show. Welcome to the Leading Women in Tech podcast, the show that celebrates women in technology leadership. I'm your host, Tony Collis, and this podcast is the result of my passion for building better tech by diversifying the leadership of the technology sector. Join me on this journey as I discuss all things leadership, what it takes to be innovative, breaking through the glass ceiling, be a great leader, and how to navigate the unique experiences we face as women in tech. So sit back, grab your headphones, and get ready to be inspired to become a better leader. 
Welcome to the show, Rachel. It's great to have you on today's episode. And Tony, thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. And I feel like we could have just kept chatting before we hit record. Like, no, no, we've got to hit record now. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's the danger. <laughs> I know, right? Start off by telling everybody a little about the work that you do and why you believe so passionately in helping leaders have the right support in the workplace in their time as new parents. Oh, that's such an important time, isn't it? So um, I am a professional business coach. I run two coaching organisations. So one is a not-for-profit, which is called Coach Community, which aims to offer people coaching support if they can't otherwise access it. And the second commercial business is called Motion. And we coach executives, we coach line managers, but we also coach in the parental space. So businesses supporting people as they transfer out of the workplace and back in as working parents. And that's the bit that I'm excited to talk to you about today. Uh, that's, that's really interesting to me because I think you were the first person I have met who specializes in really helping parents at work rather than, you know, I've actually had on the show an amazing parenting coach, but having somebody who focuses on this, what needs to happen when you're in the workplace and how having kids impacts that I think is something that we don't talk about enough. And as women, we know that that impacts us. You know, all the data says that when women have children, it impacts their career. In fact, when women don't have children, but it's expected that you will, it impacts your career. <laughs> yeah. And yet yes. men are parents too, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And there is, it's a really interesting uh, distinction. So we're only just starting to support women in the workplace who are working mothers. We have yet to support other parents in the workplace, you know, whether they are fathers, mm -hmm. whether they are uh, same-sex couples, parents who adopt, you know, so it really is an emerging space. But, do you know, Tony, the, the information that you refer to is frightening. It's nothing short of terrifying, actually, how having a child can really, really impact people's careers. And if mm -hmm. we think about it, to me, it just makes no sense. We're talking about talent pipelines. We're talking about female talent retention. We're talking about inclusion. We're talking about such important topics to be talking about. And yet we are missing this really, really crucial bit from an organizational perspective where we say, hang on a minute, they're brilliant. They become a parent. They remain brilliant as they come back as a working parent. What are we doing to navigate this to get mm -hmm. them back not only just to get them back, but to get them back stronger and to get them back kind of fully and feeling supported. So I just feel so strongly that we are missing a trick in this space here. I mean, at the end of the day, we need humans to procreate, right? In order to sustain the human race. So why wouldn't we support people in their ability to be parents and still flourish professionally? I think one of the other things that really gets under my skin about this one is, Many of the women I worked with before I became a coach, when they had babies, it's like it lit like this focus fire in them because they mm. knew they couldn't mess around. They knew that they had to get home. And when they got home, they couldn't get their laptop out again, or at least they couldn't until like 10 o'clock at night when the kids were in bed. The amount of productivity I see both when I was working in corporate and now today as a coach from women who are mothers is extraordinary. They are so laser focused. They get stuff done. I'm like, we should be supporting these people. Ideally, we want to train other people to be this laser focused as yeah. well. And, and so this idea of like, well, you know, there's 10 years when we just don't support these people and we make their life difficult. It doesn't make business sense to me. Yeah, 
exactly. I agree. And actually, if there is anything uh, arguably good to have come out of the global pandemic, it is there's some really good stuff surrounding this space that has come out. You know, I had clients in 2020 email me and say, can you believe how hard I had to fight for a slight shift, not even a reduction, but a slight shift in my hours to enable me to get back to pick up so-and-so from nursery. Can you believe how many pieces of paper I had to complete to prove that I was still able to do the job (laughs) now that I was a, a working parent? And actually now the pandemic has obviously proven that we can work from home. We can work in different ways. We can be trusted to work differently. And it's really, Mm -hmm. really altered this space for women. And where there has been lots of tough stuff, there is some good stuff in this space that has started to emerge. And I am incredibly grateful for that acceleration. Incredibly grateful. Well, let's talk a little bit about this transition that uh, particularly the mothers, because, you know, this is a women in tech podcast, but parents in general go through professionally and personally when we have babies and what to expect. Yeah. So I suppose for your listeners, my uh, I, I'm a mother too. I'm a mother of two young boys. And I went back to work when my eldest was six weeks old, which is not a choice that would be right for everyone, wow. but I'm self-employed. And I also realized at that time, Tony, that I wanted to go back to work because work was such an important part of my identity. So I've got my personal experience of it, but then I've been working with clients in this space across all different industries, all different levels within their roles. And I've identified that there are three very, very clear stages for the working woman who becomes a working mother. There is the first phase, which um, I often refer to as that feeling when you're going up the top of the roller coaster and you're like, I can't get off. It's all a bit too late now. It tends to hit Mm. in a couple of months before the baby's due, where the reality of the situation has really, really kicked in. And it's like, but work is still massive. You know, the projects are coming at you. Just get this Mm. over the line before you can finish. And the antenatal classes and all of that kind of stuff is ramping up. And at that point in time, what we experience from a coaching perspective is the woman who is at the heart of all of this experience feeling really, really squeezed, squeezed between work, squeezed between the reality of this new baby about to arrive. And therefore, questioning things like what level of control do I have over things? Do I have any control? You know, presenting the things like overwhelm and all those really important but challenging fear-driven questions about who's going to take care of my job? Who's going to take care of my work baby? You know, so that whole thing about handing Mm. over your work baby while you go and get yourself a new one, you know, it's a massive period of time. And again, from my experience, I've been a coach for over 20 years, you know, it's unsupported more often than not you know not even mildly supported Mm. quite often unrecognized and unsupported and we want women leaving roles in really good ship shape we want them handing over to the best replacement they want to do the same too so they arrive and you know come back to work and it's actually the job is still there this job is still intact but we have to support people because it is a terrifying time. You're going into the absolute unknown of stuff that really, really matters, both on a work front and from a home front. So that's that kind of first phase. People need high support at that first phase. The mid phase, and if any of your listeners have had a baby, whether in the past or, or more recently, there's this weird phase when you've had a baby, irrespective of how long your maternity might leave, might be, you know, six weeks, six months, a year where you kind of come up for air slightly 
And I say that slightly because many working parents will say, I don't think we ever come up for air. We come up from air slightly. <laughs> and you start to think, hang on a minute, this world that I used to operate does still exist. People do still get up and get dressed and go out for coffee or whatever it might be. And at that point in time, what I find in my work and through all my research of my practice in this area has shown is that women can quite often feel like they are being bombarded with new experiences, views, opinions, and the ability to find a space to connect and center and reground themselves with who they are, what they want, their identity, you know, what this means now that they've got this new big part of life. How are they feeling about work? How are they even going to navigate getting the two back together? It's a critical time from a coaching perspective. And businesses who support their people at that phase are going to get clearer women coming back into the workplace. They are going to have women who can more clearly articulate what's going to work for them. Almost every woman I work with wants to be a brilliant mum and a brilliant worker too. You know, it's not an exclusive thing. I just want to be able to do them both really well. Mm -hmm. And the final phase, obviously, is that more obvious re-entry back into the workplace. And some organisations support at this phase, but they don't support at the earlier two, which I think is better than nothing, Tony, but it's still quite short-sighted. Mm -hmm. When somebody's coming back into the workplace, I think the biggest challenge that women have is they are viewed as a returner as opposed to being viewed as a new starter. Because we know nothing in life stands still. And it definitely doesn't stand still when a woman is having a baby and organisations never stand still. So women will quite often say they come back into work and that's it. They're just expected to be right up straight away. And it doesn't work like that because so much has changed and everybody needs a chance to have a, a moment to adjust to that. Mm. So that's the kind of transition. And there are kind of different pieces of support that people need at different points in time. And coaching is for sure one of them. I'm really glad that you laid all that out because actually I mean, there's several things there I just like want to go back over because most people think we well, have a baby you've got maternity that's it and actually what you just described is what I see with many of my clients the overwhelm ahead of them actually having the baby and then I've I've never coached somebody during their maternity leave because that's not what I do that's what you potentially do but I've coached people when they come back to work primarily because they were working with me beforehand and they know that I'm a helping hand and there is a just, I've never, I've never realized this before. So I'm, I'm very grateful to you for pointing this out, but we do need to treat them like new starts. And it's very, very interesting. But just to go back to what you said right at the beginning, the fact that you had a baby and you went back after six weeks, which here in the UK, that's very unusual. Yeah. And I just, you know, I've got listeners all over the world. Many of my listeners are in the US where potentially if they'll be listening to us and thinking, Six weeks is unusual. <laughs> uh, yes, um, it is. But um, so I deal with people all over the world, anything from like they're back at work within, I've had one lady back at working for them four days. Mm. I don't know how her body dealt with that, to be honest, all the way to like a couple of years. Yeah. And I think one thing I want everybody listening to hear is you have permission to do what you need. And I, I love, Rachel, that you said, you know, what you do is so important to you that you wanted to go back to work. Because I feel like in British culture, because you can take a year off, that many women think it's wrong to want to go back early. Equally, when I coach women in the US, because it's normal to go back within six to 12 weeks, many of the women I work with think it's wrong to want to take a whole year off. Now, there's a financial issue there for them, absolutely. But I think we've got to accept that there's cultural pressures are real and actually 
it's entirely up to you how you feel about returning to work. There's a financial piece, yes, Mm -hmm. but don't make it wrong if you want to go back to work or don't want to go back to work. Don't make it about what society says. Would you agree with that? Oh, totally, totally. And and I know from my own personal experiences and from clients' experiences, everybody's so opinionated about becoming a parent, Mm -hmm. about uh, working parents, about, you know, and there are books for everything, left, right and centre. And my real belief is we have to find the way that works for us for our family, for our unit, mm. for our roles, for our, what worked for me and my family unit would not be right for everybody, you know, but that's irrelevant. It was right for us. You know, it was right for the type of baby that mm. we had. It was right for, and, but the stigma actually can come. And for mine came from some of the most surprising sources from, from parts of my personal and my professional life. I was really, really quite surprised that people were quite judgment, so judgmental about some of the choices that I was making. Yeah. And I think that mid-phase where the mother, the new mother is so needed by so many things, not least a new, a new human being, so needed by so many things. And everybody's telling her so much stuff, often intentionally, you know, with positive intent, but it's like actually her space, her opportunity to step off that hamster wheel, to get out of the chaos and just to say, just breathe for a moment. And now we focus on you. Mm. I think it is so undervalued and it's so powerful because everything she can then choose to do, to articulate, to make happen, how she navigates any conflict that comes her way. She's kind of centered. She's got a space that she's starting from. Mm -hmm. I just think it's, I think it's critical. I think we miss so many opportunities by ignoring that. 100%. Well, I really want to dig into what happens when the baby arrives and the support we need, what we're doing. But just before we do that, I wanted to also just call out, again, for the benefit of the audience, what you said about that overwhelm in that first phase, Mm -hmm. that I've seen this happen as well, where the baby is approaching and there's like this wall just hits you between, typically, I sit between four and seven months. It's like the panic sets in. It's like, I am not going to be here anymore. What's going to happen to my job? How is this? How, how is my work baby? I love the fact you said work baby. How is my work baby going to be cared for while I am caring for this other baby? And um, there's real tension that produces in these women. And so I, I really want to dig into the maternity piece because I don't think that's something that is talked about enough. Um, but I just want to give listeners permission to feel that way. Don't make it wrong if you feel that way. You're not alone. Is there anything quickly you want to add on that? And I know we're both passionate about getting to the other bit. That's <laughs> Yeah, no, it's lovely. I mean, I would say expect to feel that way. Of course you feel that way. You know, we care about our work mm-hmm. for loads of different reasons. For financial security, because it's mm-hmm. part of our identity, because I, I will work until the day I can't work. I have no intention of retiring. Do you know what I mean? It might change how it looks. <laughs> Me too. Might, I'm just going to, because it's good stuff, you know. So, of course, we are mm-hmm. going to feel out of control when that changes and when that feels like it's going to change on quite an enormous, quite a seismic level. So I think we expect it. The good news is we can ride it with the right tools and with the right support. It doesn't have to be terrifying. It will still be challenging, but it doesn't have to be terrifying. And for me, they're two quite different, quite different things. Well, okay, so let's change gear then. And then let's talk about the role of the workplace in supporting us when the baby has arrived, yeah. but we aren't back at work. What what do you think needs to be happening here? Because I want to put, there are 
people listening to this who have the ability to change the way workplaces work. Yeah. So listeners, I hope you can negotiate this. Yeah. But I also hope if you're in the position of changing it, I I want to share some tidbits. Like, what do you think should be going on here, Rachel? Okay. So, so the clients that I have, I know some clients and some organizations that are doing this really, really well. Yeah. They are doing it really well. There is further to go, but they are doing it really well. And they're very pioneers in it as well. And I think as with many things, Lots of this will start with education, you know, so for example, as an organization, mm-hmm. we will work with clients, with the line managers within the organization to say, this is the transition. This is the experience. This is what people are going to be going through. And this is how they can best be supported. So there is definitely a piece about education there. I think another piece, which is common in so many different things, is communication. You know, this people will say, but can we talk to people? Can we? May we? Are we allowed? You know, we're human beings. You know, we do have legislation around things. That's not our experience. You know, as in there are lawyers that are very in HR professionals that are very well experienced mm-hmm. in that. From a human perspective, I know I will sometimes say to women, and have you told your line manager that? Have you told her that actually, if there's a restructuring mm-hmm. your organization while you're awake, you'd quite like to be kept informed of it. You'd like to know that because that's going to stop you worrying about might it happen and you'll find out on the grapevine. Have you talked to her about that? <gasps> Am I allowed to? Yes, we're mm-hmm. allowed to. We're allowed to talk about things. You know, the basic kind of things of communication mm-hmm. about what do we need at any given point in time? What do we not need? If a woman says, I don't know, but I feel like I need some space, then great. Line managers, we hear she needs space. I think there's a thing for women to be doing, to be going to their organizations and saying, how are you supporting us? How are you supporting us? You know, mm-hmm. and, and if you aren't supporting us, can we look at how you might be able to? You know, we go in as an organization, for example, and do lunch and learns with people. We do webinars on this kind of thing, et cetera, just to get people recognizing that this is a space where work can take place. And relatively speaking, it's a really cost-effective way of supporting people through this transition because the costs of not supporting through this women through this transition are so great from an organisational perspective and from yeah. a personal perspective. So I think we have to start educating. We have to start talking about it. And I think a lot of it lies with line management populations, making sure that they're up to speed as well. Mm. I think a lot of line managers are also really, really scared in this situation, yeah. um, especially if it's their first time managing somebody who's going on maternity leave. They're worried about quality of work, if they've got somebody coming in, or overwork if they're having to take on responsibilities. And at the same time, navigating the legal minefield. And again, this is one of those ones where, you know, you and I are not claiming to be legal experts on like what the whole world can do. And we do have listeners all over the world. But I do see, you know, a commonality between the US, Canada and the and Europe, where I, I work with women quite extensively in, in those areas. And there is this thread of, I'm scared to reach out to this employee because of the legislation. But actually, as you just pointed out, sometimes it's really helpful for that woman to know because guess what? It's stressful for her if she's guessing or she hears on the grapevine. What advice do you give to line managers to kind of help them feel more confident in supporting women the way they actually want to be supported? So I think, again, this starts early on. So this is the kind of thing that you start having the conversations about when the when the woman is first saying, you know, I'm going to have a baby. And, the, and that's the kind of thing, maybe not the first mm-hmm. month, but several months in, you're saying, okay, so we will start to think about how we're going to communicate with each other during the course of your leave. 
I know I have one client who set up a totally separate email address. And she said to her employer, I will look at it after the first four weeks. I will start looking at it once a week. And if there is anything relating to this, this or this, please let me know about it, because that's what I'm going to want to know. And you, my line manager, are the only person who's got my e- that email address. So I know that it will only come from you. And that was an agreement between them. It wouldn't work for everyone, but that was an agreement between them that was so powerful. But they talked about it beforehand. They talked about it before it even became a, we've got a problem. How are we going to navigate it? That is such a beautiful solution. I mean, I think a lot of of the time I suggest people maybe make your executive assistant a gatekeeper for information. Like Mm. they can, they can call you, they have your phone number, nobody else does. They can escalate if there's something, but somebody has to make that decision. And and a, an executive assistant is often not the right person to make that decision. Um, it will be somebody putting a lot of pressure on that EA to do that. And that's that's wrong. So I love the fact that this was, you know, agreement between a, a line manager and the individual. That's beautiful. Let's talk a little bit about the third stage mm-hmm. where, I mean, one of the things that we, you and I spoke about pre, prior to hitting record was how when you are coming back to work, this is time for doing and acting, and it can be incredibly overwhelming to a new parent. Can you explain what goes on and some high-level top tips from how we can take action and step away from that overwhelm a little bit? Mm, I think it's... um, So for me, a lot of this is about whether it should or shouldn't be, we have to separate that out for a moment. But I think from the individual woman's perspective, who are the people that I've always got my eyes firmly on, it's about taking control. And there is an aspect of, you know, what, what, for example, is the information I need in order to enable me to be successful here? And this goes back to that we have to think new girl, not returner. We have to think new starter, not returner. Mm. You know, if we go to... uh, a more typical situation in the UK, a woman might be out of an organisation for a 12-month period of time. Now, you only have to look back over what has happened in your life or your organisational's life over the last 12 months to know that that is an extensive amount of change. And yet women will tell me that they go back in and it's like, their desk has been moved, but nobody knows where to. Their line manager wasn't in that day. And actually, nobody was really expecting them to be back. Oh, it turned out that their cover had left a few months earlier, but they weren't communicated about that what have you and it's kind of like that setting them up for everything other than to succeed and obviously in an ideal world this would from an organizational perspective all be in place I think if it isn't then the reality is we have to be strong enough to go out and find it what do I need to enable me to be successful now there is also and we come back to pure strong communication methods clarity communication you know that that where are my boundaries? Boundaries, we talk about boundaries in this space a lot. You know, where are my boundaries? Yeah, how do I navigate communicating with you? I do still care about my work, but I do have to leave now because there literally will be a child standing outside a nursery unless I leave now to pick that child up. But please make sure you don't think that doesn't mean I care about my work because I still do. So the things to be doing here are, again, mm. you know, thinking, what am I not getting that I need? Am I clear about what I need? And when I am, let's communicate it. So lots of work here about communication, open communication, most aspects of life, yeah, all the way through, but this one particularly. Yeah. And line managers here, lots of work with line managers. So it, it, No, it's good. It, it always comes back to communication. I feel like 99% of my job is like helping women communicate as leaders. And hey, guess what? Doesn't go away just because we have babies. <laughs> Funny that, isn't it? You just have to get better at it. I know, right? I want to take a moment, if that's okay, to discuss 
with you how to get this into more companies because I know that you're super passionate about getting more companies to take this seriously. Yeah. So if a listener is resonating with this, yeah. what tips do you have for them to help them make the case to get parental coaching people like you into their workplace, whether it's from you or from others? So I think I would go and ask your people representatives, first and foremost, talk to your line managers, talk to the people who have influence, link in with ED&I policies, link in with initiatives, link in with focus groups. If your work is um, setting up groups and saying set up a working party around something that interests you and there isn't a working mother's one or there isn't a working parents one, set one up. You know, it's those kinds of things that can be really powerful because this is one of those situations where so many people feel that they are experiencing it alone. But actually, when they start talking to other people in the same situation, it's like, oh, my goodness, you're navigating exactly what I am navigating to. So there is a real sense of power in numbers as far as this is concerned, you know, saying this is what we need. This is what we want. I would also say as well, start on the education piece, get people, whether it is us or people like us, I'd obviously say us, but, you know, get people like us in to do lunch and learns, to do webinars, to start doing briefings about things. You know, the more that we can say to people, this is something really significant, but you know that it's something we understand, though. And we've got the answers to how we navigate this. And they're relatively speaking quite simple. Then that's the kind of message. Oh, it's going to make my life easier. It's going to, it's going to, you know, achieve my goals from an organizational mm. perspective more easily. That's the kind of route in. This isn't a complicated solution to a massive problem. Yeah, it, it doesn't need to be. I, I really don't think it needs to be. And I think a lot of the time we just need the confidence to realize we can have this conversation with our yeah. organizations. So Thank you so much for sharing those tips because no, I'm sure somebody is going to be thinking, I would love a parental coach to be supporting our organization. So I really hope it changes at least one company out there as a result of this conversation. So do I, Tony. But let's move on to the quick fire round. This is, my, this is one of my favorite bits. I love the conversations we have, but I love digging into some of the stuff I learned from guests on this show. So are you ready for this? I'm ready for it. Hit me with it. Okay. What is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, I've been given lots of poor advice. Um, the one that sticks in my mind is from, I'm just trying to work out if it's going to be an age-related thing, over 20, maybe about 23 years ago, where one of my line managers, there was a line manager and I was line managed by her with another guy who I still know. And I was told, um, let's leave it to him because he's brighter than us. And um, <laughs> yeah, it really surprises me now. And I remember at the time oh my thinking, God. No, he's not. He's a really nice man. And if he hears this, he'll be like, oh, I remember saying that. But he's not brighter than us. And it turns out I'm actually really much better than him at some things as well. He is much better at me than some other things. But yeah, let's leave it to him. He's brighter than us. That sucks. Oh, my God. 23 years ago. I mean, like, I, I just, you know, I think about what I, how old I was 23 years ago. And um, it's disturbingly not young. <laughs> <laughs> if I'd heard that 23 years ago, I would have been angry. It's, I, it's wow. a shocker, isn't it? Oh, my it? goodness. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the kind of thing you expect to have happened to our parents. Honestly. Not to us. Parents, parents. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. This was the, the world pre-email. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's flip this around. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? So... This is something that parenting actually really cemented for me because the messages you'll share with your child are clearly, or your children, I've got a couple, are clearly messages that you hold dear yourself. 
And mine's uh, the good old Ford quote, which is, if you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Everything, everything about every essence of what I choose to do is all to do with my own attitude towards it and mindset. I bake every birthday cake for my kids, not because I can bake cakes, Tony, because I don't think I can. I'm not sure I can bake cakes very well, but I bake their birthday cakes because I think how blooming hard can it be mum I want an axolotl cake how hard can that be of course I can do that I don't think I'll ever run a marathon because I don't think I can run it's just you know it's all in here I'll send you a picture of my cake I love that I would love to see a picture of an axolotl cake I used to take care of the school's axolotl they're fascinating creatures can you spell it though Tony no no that's a whole nother ball game isn't it <laughs> um, what is the last book you read and would you recommend it? So the last book I read is actually a book by a woman who I have met because she read, uh, wrote this book and it is called Dare to be Fair and it's by a woman called Amanda Redman and um, basically she's a financial advisor but focused very specifically on women and she talks about female poverty so she talks about Women in general have 20% less in their pension pot than the average men at the end of their careers. And her whole thing is about what value do we put on ourselves? How do we hold value for ourselves and what are we doing about it? And it's got a really good link to my work because actually, obviously, the maternity transition is one of the points at which women's financial status really, really starts to shift. So it's called Dare to be Fair. Mm. And it's practical and it's made me really realise that I need to do quite a lot with my own pension funds to make sure that I'm not one of that for those people in the future. It's really good, pragmatic book. We will make sure a link to that is in the show notes if you're listening and you would like to take a read. It sounds like a very good read. Um, mindset time. Yeah. At the end of every episode, I love to give a mindset tip. So I would love to hear from you, your favorite mindset tip to help a new or soon to be parent. Oh, so um, this is something that I was offered by my own supervisor, actually. So my coach, my professional supervisor. And she once said to me at the most significant moment, she said, one step at a time, Rachel, and with kindness to yourself. I love that. One step at a time and with kindness to yourself. And I find that's a really like centering place for me where I think do you know what just the next bit you're doing all right it's such an important mindset and um I share it widely because I think it's so powerful yeah that is powerful it's beautiful and powerful all at the same time mm. um kindness to ourselves I think is so key I, t I talk a lot about taking care of ourselves first mm. you know the classic like put your own face mask on first but kindness to ourselves is like elevating that to a whole other level. And that's something I think when push comes to shove and it's like, well, of course I would step in front of a truck for my child. You still got to be kind to yourself, even if you're going to do something. I'm not saying you should, by the way, step in front of a truck. But <laughs> I won't try it later. <laughs> and maybe it wasn't the right choice of words there. But like, of course, we're going to make sacrifices for our children. But what about doing that with kindness to yourself? I think that is a beautiful way of, looking at this mm. really really beautiful so thank you you're welcome how can people find out more about what you do who you are and all the things because it's been great this conversation so I think it's the obvious places to begin with so LinkedIn you can find me as Rachel Morris you can also find motion learning on there which is our coaching business which will tell you more about what we do um, the not-for-profit is called coach community so coachcommunity.org you can find us there 
or the Motion Learning website is motionlearning.com. And very soon, Tony, I'm going to have a book out about this. So at the end of the year, I'll have my book published and it's for mothers. So it is for you to be able to give to a friend, a loved one and say, this might just help you during this transition. So if you keep your eyes peeled on all of my different uh, channels and websites and things like that, you will find out when the book is out and you'll be find out how to be able to buy a copy for someone you love who you want to help because that's what it's there to do. I'll be ordering hundreds of copies for all the women in my academy when they have when they <laughs> when they decide to share with us that they're pregnant. They'll be getting a copy from me. I love to buy my my members gifts, and that'll be that'll be one on my list. Thank I think you, that's beautiful. Tony. Thank you. My pleasure. My absolute pleasure. What is the final thought that you would like to leave my audience with today? So I think the final thought for me stems from you know I am a working mother of two young boys. They are nine and 10 years old. And I feel so strongly that I want them to be happy and healthy adults, both at work and at home. And I feel that my responsibility today is to use my voice to instigate massive positive change for them when they are young, working professionals, potentially becoming parents themselves as well. So I suppose my final thought is whatever your driver is, whatever your soul is telling you, you know, listen to it and listen to it really hard because that's when I think we can make really, really good stuff happen. I love that. Love that so much. Thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing your inspiring story. Also supporting the podcast today. It's only possible because people like you come on here and support us. And just for sharing your wisdom, we need to have more conversations around supporting mothers and parents in general at work so thank you for trailblazing in an area that i hope gets a lot of traction in the next few years thank you tony i love talking to you i'd like to talk to you more and more and more um, so that's <laughs> always a good sign thank you so much for having me oh my pleasure and remember listeners until next time stay on your technician game even if you're having a baby <laughs> follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech 